welcome to the Explorate Podcast. to the Explorate Podcast. I am your host, Rob, and joining me tonight is Sean. Welcome, Sean. Greetings from the future. How's it going, Rob? Greetings, time traveler. It's going well. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, man. I've been pretty sick, but I'm getting there. Yeah, we missed you last week when we interviewed Tim Bender from Hooded Horse, and you were unable to make it because you were unwell. Yeah, I sounded like crap. Like, I sounded worse than I do now. I think I sound all right, but yeah. No, I'm like coughing up half a lung, but I am getting better, so it's all good. Yeah, something's going around, man. Uh, at least here in the United States, we're, we're like all getting like just crushed by the flu, COVID, and some other stuff. Like just some weird random respiratory thing that they, they've they tested for COVID, they've tested for flu, and they're not coming back positive for either. And it's like some weird respiratory thing. So I'm glad to hear you're feeling better. Yeah, good to be back. Welcome, Ben, back to the show. Welcome, Ben. Ah, thanks, Rob. How you doing? I'm doing well. I, everybody's doing well here. We're all doing well. With that, let's welcome Drexy. Hey, Rob. Hello, Drexy. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the show. Your introduction. <laughs> I didn't do it this time, though. That's the problem. Is I didn't. I didn't like rob it. I should have done it. I should. I'm going to. I'm going to do that forever from now on. So, anyways, we're going to try to incorporate some feedback that we've gotten from the audience and including some of the staff members here. And with the show, we're going to like, we're, we're just trying to like kind of tweak it and hone in on what makes this podcast as fun as it could be. So with that, we're going to each bring to the table one news item that we want to talk about because it is important to us or because we particularly feel inspired by it. Then the rest of the show is going to freeform as well, unless there's something like extraordinarily pertinent to the show or if we have like a review show. For the most part, we're going to just try to let things flow freely. So with that, we're going to go ahead and launch into the new segment. I'm bringing to the table in the news, the Humankind Together We Rule expansion was released just a few days ago to really kind of mixed reviews. In fact, it's doing pretty poorly on Steam. And quite honestly, I just want Amplitude Studios to give up on this game because I don't think it's ever going to be the game that they wanted it to be. It's never really going to be the like, I don't know, the serious competition to civilization that they want it to be. And I, you know, I, I play it and I enjoy it, but I don't really like it. Like I don't really love it. Like I've loved other forex games, and especially their other forex games, like the 
the the two previous ones before that, Endless Space 2 and Endless Legend, they are on my list of top 4X games of all time. And Humankind isn't even on like my top 15 probably. And I try to like it. I try to enjoy it. But this expansion pack brought some cool new things for sure, right? It fleshes out like the stuff that was kind of missing, but there's still a lot of stuff missing. I feel like with the whole like traditional civilization, like, you know, experience. But I mean, like we've talked about before what, what it was trying to bring. And with that, it was like, you know, it was trying to add like a diplomatic affinity and the whole like global Congress thing or whatever it is we want to talk, however we want to call it. And I just, it seems like it's fallen flat. And first of all, I want to say that I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed because I've been covering M2 Studios games since the very beginning, since they were nobody, you know, just like this iceberg interactive, like kind of upstart. And I've been a VIP for them for going on 10 years now, or like about eight years now. And, you know, I'm just closely involved with their community. I'm a moderator. I'm you know, VIP, I talk to their developers frequently. And yet somehow, we're always left out of the press like push. And in the in the past, I've been just really nagging them to remind, you know, like, just kind of like, hey, like, include us, please. But this time I was so busy that I forgot to. And the unfortunate result of that was that we weren't included in the press release or any of the stuff for Together We Rule. So as a result, we were super late. And we didn't get anything until the day after it was released. So I'm going to see if I can get somebody to review it, but I'm not really that, I'm just not really going to push it that much, but I'm a little disappointed. I'm actually really disappointed because I feel like, you know, we've done our best to, to champion Amplitude Studios, even when people have been kind of down on them. And that was kind of a a crappy way to be, you know, treated as a result, but I'm not going to get into it too much, but we, we will eventually, I guess, have some sort of, critical thought on that expansion. I don't know if it's going to be through the podcast or something else, but we'll do something eventually, I promise. Why do you think this has happened, Rob? I think it's because Sega took over and before they, I mean, like when before Sega took over, we were just, you know, we were just as indie as they were. And I think they really appreciated this group of Forex fans that were getting together to make a Forex site. And, you know, a lot of the things we were saying about their games was also positive. So, that was that was probably a, a no-brainer for them. You know, the the Forex focus for our site meant that that we knew what we were talking about and also that we would be covering a lot of their games. If not, I mean, I think every game except for Endless Dungeon or whatever it's called has been Forex. So, yeah, I think that it made, it made sense. And plus, we were, I mean, like, honestly, I was talking to their CEO on a regular basis. So the fact that, you know, we were that close was... You know, it made sense for them to include us in their press releases. And then Sega came by and they gobbled them up. And I think Sega thinks we're beneath them, really, honestly. And we don't really matter to the grand scheme of things. Like they want their IGNs and their PC games and, and all that stuff. And I also believe, too, that they may be a little bit pickier with who they give codes to because we've been a little bit more critical of humankind than the average outlet. So I think that's definitely part of it as well. But I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I can't tell you what Sega's thinking. I just know that 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 company has changed since Sega has taken over. That's all, all I can say. It's interesting too that we kind of get a similar treatment from Creative Assembly, don't we? And they're also signed to Sega now. I wonder if it is a matter of size of the outlet, you know, because we are a smaller site, I guess, and we're not really beholden to these big publishers in order to 
you know, survive. Whereas IGN and, you know, these other ones, these are the big sort of like gaming journalistic outlets, I feel really rely on their gravy train. So they have to give positive reviews. And, you know, we don't have to do that. Look, we get called all sorts of names by various people who don't like what we do. Okay. We get called shills, all this kind of stuff, because occasionally we've been a little bit over favorable about games that they don't like. And there's been other times where we've absolutely slated games that other people do like, and people don't really like that either. So I think that when you are a fan sort of site, it's difficult to be correct. You know, you can't please everybody. And I think that we've had our ups and downs, but for the most part, we just try and say what we think, which is we have experiences of games and then we just tell the story of what we think about them. And like, I didn't even play Humankind. I've not played it. And the reason being is because I didn't like the other endless games enough for me to kind of jump in and have an opinion on humankind that I thought that would be fair because everybody knows that I've got this kind of, uh, I like Amplitude, but I kind of don't. Do you know what I mean? And I think, I don't mean to speak too much for Drexy, but I think he feels similar. So I've always had this kind of like, ah, just not that bothered. I do like Endless Legend. I want to say that, by the way. I do think it's a really good game. And I rated it like much higher than the other games that they made when I did a tier list. Um, so I do think they are capable of making really good games. I just, I, I, I'm waiting for Humankind to put its best foot forwards before I will review it. I'm not beholden to anybody but myself when it comes to my opinions on games. So I want them to put their best foot forwards. So I'm not going to talk about Humankind until I've actually played it properly. And from what everyone's telling me, it's just not in the right place at the moment. I think a lot of people forget that Explominate's not really beholden to anyone at all. You know, like we're not, we're not looking for ad money. We don't need Sega. We don't need any of these people. We're just going to speak what we think. Right. And sometimes that's wildly off, you know, off the beaten path or whatever the collective thought, because I don't feel that we need to be objective. You know, like none of us need to, and that, that whole idea of objectivity through journalism is dumb anyways. But with the site, you know, we're just a bunch of guys who like Forex games and strategy games and we talk about them and we rate them based on our own personal experience with them. And sometimes that flies in the face of people that want to hear good things or it might align with them, right? And maybe sometimes we get them wrong as a result. Maybe because we are such big fans of these games, we're wearing those rose tinted glasses sometimes because you know we see past some of the flaws of games that maybe other people will start to see because we just enjoy strategy games so much like i mean what comes to mind is distant worlds too right like omar is a great one of our best writers absolutely 100 there's in fact one of the best writers i've ever had and i'm not taking away from omar's review of distant worlds 2 at all he played a lot of it and he enjoyed his time with it now that is not the like general consensus of the game, right? A lot of people were pissed off and upset that it was buggy, that it doesn't really feel any different, you know, and, and they're entitled to that opinion. But we, and by we, I mean Omar, but as a collective we, because Omar is one of us, you know, gave it a pretty good review. I was going to say that I actually felt pretty much the same as Omar. So I didn't feel that that review was in need of anything because I, I, I don't know. I think I was also in the minority of people who played Distant Worlds Universe and then played Distant Worlds 2 and actually felt that it was an improvement in many ways. Sure, it had problems, but I, don't, I honestly think I, th- I edited Omar's review and I, I was reading it thinking, I agree with this. This is about right. This is exactly what I think. I think it needs more time in the oven, but it's actually a solid foundation. Now, the rest of the fan base didn't necessarily agree, but I'll tell you what, like, 
does tactic who a man who knows what he's talking about when it comes to these games and played distant worlds a lot he's also in the same boat he also likes it he says that it's got a way to go but he would I, i'm pretty sure from speaking to daz because we've talked to daz loads about distant worlds too and i've watched him play it a lot and he would have said he would have given the game pretty much the same review as omar so i, I think we can point to other reviews that are less you know that were less informed than that particular one so i hope that that's not one that people are sort of actively picking out and saying you know well that was that was explominate dropping the ball because actually i think that was a fairly accurate review i think when it comes to distant worlds there are people who are kind of they didn't like it when it was first released and now there's nothing that you can say to them to make them like it even if the game improved they'd probably just still give it a negative review the the reason i'm bringing the point up is it because it does it, like I said, it kind of is contradictory to the the general consensus of the Forex community, right? And a lot of people do think that Distant Worlds 2 is not as good as it could have been. But my point is that, and I agree with you too, I think it's a fantastic foundation. And I do believe that, you know, Omar did his best to review that game in a way that was objectively looking at everything that was going on with it, but also he has a subjective look at it because he's enjoying himself, right? And he saw it as basically an improvement, even if it's just a UI and graphical improvement on the formula. And with, with everything, what I'm trying to kind of get to is that we're, as Explominate, I never want us to be a website that feels mainstream and that you know, we're, and I don't think we're ever going to be, right? We're never going to have the traffic that, that allows us to be that kind of website, but we're always just going to just, you know, play it from the heart, right? Like whatever we think, we're going to say it. And sometimes that's, <laughs> that's a little bit vitriolic. Maybe sometimes that's antagonistic towards developers. And I'm going to get a little antagonistic later on this episode, but I, I don't ever want to discourage that because, you know, at some level, yeah, sure. It's great to have relationships with these developers and publishers, but I think too that you can have discourse, you can be upset, or you can say things that are positive, that are contradictory to the general consensus of the community. We could do all that and still and still be true to ourselves and still be true to what the Explominate vision is and all that stuff. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say is that no matter what, I, I think I, I seriously disagree with Sega letting, you know, dropping the ball and, and not getting us involved in this. But at the same time, if the reason why we are is because we weren't really being super nice about humankind, then I don't give a shit. And that's that's the end of it. We're not like, you know, relying on their ad money and I'm not beholden to any of them. I'd rather it was that way as well, because it allows us to maintain a conscious free interpretation of, you know, the games that we see. Do you know what I mean? Because then people know, okay, well, they're not necessarily just saying this stuff in order to in order to keep the gravy train going, as I said. Like I, I, I took some flack before because, you know, people notice that I never really give negative reviews when I do a written review. And I think I explained before that that's because I don't bother wasting my time playing games for the length of time that you need to play a Forex game for in order to, you know, in order to give it a proper, proper thorough review. I don't play bad games. If I play a game for, you know, a couple of hours and it turns out that I'm not going to enjoy it, I ain't getting paid enough, you know, like, like the guys at PC Gamer or whatever, they're getting paid to do those reviews. So if they get a bad game, you know, they need to put out a bad review, hopefully. So I, it kind of makes sense, but we are a different kind of site to those kind of sites. You know, we are, we're an independent site. So the, I don't think people should be coming to us necessarily for the same kind of content that you would get at PC Gamer or Rock Paper Shotgun or any of these other places that kind of have to, they have to toe a certain line. And I, I would hope that any publishers listening would understand that, that when people come to us, they're getting an honest opinion. 
Now, whether that opinion over the time will turn out to be the zeitgeist of what was going on at the time or not is kind of irrelevant. Like we're always going to do our very, very best to kind of put our, you know, our own personal opinions forwards with regards to what you know something is like without being coloured by the need to you know keep some kind of money going. Sean, what's your news item? All right, so my news item was from Nebulous. Probably not something everybody knows about. It's an RTS, but it's it's kind of like a war game style sort of RTS. Actually, it's not even like war game. It's sort of like okay, so it's being made by people who are actual submariners like in the US Navy. So it's like a proper, it's like a submarine war game, but in space. And it's got really customizable ships. And at the moment, there's just basically there's a tutorial and skirmishes and PvP. But they're working on something called uh, conquest mode which I think eventually is going to lead into a campaign way down the track. So what I was covering was the devlog from that. So uh, to start with, they're introducing a new faction. At the moment, there's only one called the Alliance, and they're introducing a new one called the OSP. I don't know what that stands for, but they're basically like they're a ragtag faction, like the Belters from the Expanse. There's a lot of games that seem to be going with this Expanse team. So so they've got a flagship, which is an obsolete Alliance ship, and the rest of them, they're, they're like, they also like the expanse, like they've got converted cargo ships and freighters and that kind of thing that have been turned into warships. So they're really leaning into that, like, you know, hard rabble kind of thing. And they've also got new weapons, uh, new point defense weapons, new anti-ship weapons, uh, there's a new type of missile launcher. And the big one at the end of this section that they announced was shipping container missiles. They're going to have like shipping containers that have been converted to giant missiles that you can launch out of spaceships, which sounds awesome. So... And then there's also, yeah, so the idea behind them, the mechanics, is that they have a higher rate of fire, but they, their sensors are kind of crap and they take forever to reload. So it's like there's that balance, like they can fire more, but then they're slower and other, they, you know, they have negative points as well. And then the dev went into the conquest mode, which is a work in progress. So it's like any other conquest mode, like you've got a bunch of different star systems on the map that you have to conquer. And then he showed off one, which is, it says it shares off like your points of interest, asteroid belts, planets and infrastructure and all that kind of thing. It's very much work in progress at the moment. It was saying that they're aiming for like realistic orbital mechanics as well, but like they're going really hard into the simulation side of this. So, and then it shows like friendly task forces displayed on the map. So it was quite early, but it looks really promising, I think. Is that game in a good state at the moment? Because I think I was going to buy it previously, and it may have been Ben who said, hold off. Is the single player good, or is it pretty much multiplayer type of game? Yeah, I think it's perfectly playable right now. It was pretty solid at launch. It's got a thriving PvP community uh, that I've seen in their Discord. They've, they're doing community nights all the time and all that sort of thing. The skirmish mode is pretty solid too. Like I was playing with our Polish friend Wojak. I don't know what I don't know if that's his actual name or not. But we went in. We were playing co-op with fleets that we designed, and we completely got our asses handed to us because I didn't really know what I was doing, and I designed the ships really poorly. <laughs> we went in, and the AI are quite good. Like if you don't know what you're doing, it will just smash you to pieces. And basically, I got spammed with like 200 missiles and it just wiped out half my fleet. So yeah, the AI doesn't muck around. It, it, I think it's pretty playable as it is. This game looks really good. I've actually got it. And I've been waiting a little while for them to kind of develop it a little bit more before I jump in because I get the impression that it's one of those games that requires some, some kind of hefty study in order to get it working. I mean, the tutorial that they present you with when you first start to play, just showing you how to maneuver your ship was pretty complicated. It's, I guess it kind of looks a little bit like Battlestar Galactica. It seems to be a very, very similar game to Deadlock, only much more complicated. It's much more on the simulation side of things than it is where Deadlock would be more streamlined in order to allow people to play it quite quickly. I think 
I think Nebulous is probably designed to be played slower and it's certainly oriented more at that wargaming crowd. Do you think that's a fair way to describe it? Yeah, absolutely. I would say it leans more into the simulation side. Like you've got like the proper orbital mechanics and, you know, you've got your radar, like you're trying to plot your moves on a 3D radar with like, which I still haven't quite got the hang of. The tutorial, I can do most of it. There's the thing with the radar-guided missiles that I still haven't, I just can't for the life of me figure out how to do it. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely would lean more into the simulation side. Like I was saying, I think at least the head dev, maybe there's another guy there as well. They're both actual serving US Navy officers. So it's me- it's meant to play out kind of like a submarine war game, but with spaceships, like similar sort of mechanics. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those games, if you can get into it, it's probably going to be a lot of fun. Um, every now and again, I get an itch to play stuff like that, you know, like really complex kind of tactical. I guess they're games where you've got to kind of outwit your opponent, aren't they? I think that's, that's probably the best way to, to describe them. A full-on tactical battle of wits. And I think if, it, if those kind of games delight you, especially if you like complex mechanics, then that's going, to be, that's going to be right up your alley. And certainly if you've got like a thing for naval warfare, because it seems to be transplanting naval warfare mechanics outside of the real world and into a space situation. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. And th- there is a lot, like, a lot of play and counterplay kind of thing. Like, you know, you can have radar, but then it's like you've got different kinds of radar and some of them are better at certain tasks than others. And then you've got layered point defenses that are better against certain things and then different weapons. And now they've got modular missiles where you can build, like design your own missiles to deploy from ships. It, it goes very in-depth. So there's a lot of variety to it. And yeah, no, I'm really very much looking forward to seeing this conquest mode because I, I quite like these generally in any sort of RTS. I like having more than just like one skirmish. You're actually playing towards a grander objective. So I'm very much looking to see where this goes. Am I right in thinking it's actually a turn-based game that it's not really an RTS, is it? It's more like Battlestar Galactica Deadlock, where it's it's turn-based, but the the turns then play out as a sort of short real-time chunk. A fair description, would you say? No, no, it is all real-time. You can pause it, but if you unless you pause it, it's all in real-time. It's not turn-based then? No, no, it's not. It's real-time, but you can pause it whenever you want. Okay. And if when you're playing against another player... Do you, you know, what happens when you pause it? Do you both have to pause or can anybody pause it? I don't know. I've never actually played against another player. So when they, I don't really look at the PvP side of any of these games because being in Australia, like unless your game has a massive player base, I'm very rarely going to be able to find anyone to play it with. Like I've only played with our friend once in the entire time that I've owned the game. So I, I don't really focus on the PvP side of anything. But yeah, I, I don't know how it would work there. I just know how it works on the PvE side. Awesome. Well, thanks for providing that news segment, sir. And let's go to Ben for his. Yeah, mine's quite short. I want to talk about Imperium's Greek Wars again. This is a game that I've been talking about quite a lot on the podcast, so I'm not going to repeat myself too much. But Imperium's has had a nice little update recently. The developer, after lots of feedback, has gone into the graphics and just made some changes to the way that the map elements stand out on the map and also given the player several different color palettes to choose from. And when I say color palettes, I don't mean, you know, allowing you to jazz up the map to make it kind of like pink and funky polka dots or anything. I mean, it's, it seems to be a series of kind of softening and toning kind of like a layer over, over the map, which just allows you to kind of tailor it to how you want it to look. But the end result is that Imperium's Greek Wars now really looks like a game of this era well I, I still think it's kind of it still looks more like something that was released maybe a few years after Civ 4 with regards to the style because it's still 3d graphics but quite basic however it now looks like Civ 4 if you if you go back and play Civ 4 and I've been doing that recently 
you'll see how how clever that game was graphically that you can just at a glance look at what everything is and imperiums is really starting to look like that now like whereas before it was very visually cluttered and difficult to make things out from one another uh, whatever it is that pavel's done to this now he's really made it so much better if you've been holding off on Imperium's Greek Wars because you didn't like the way that it looked, or if you, like me, you found it a little bit visually noisy and it was kind of like tiring and a bit stressful to play, go back and check it out now because it looks like it's, it's just so much better. It, this is such a small, small thing, I think, for a lot of people. Like, I think if you're an Imperium's fan, you might be like, oh, it's a big deal. It's just like a small update. It's not. This is really, really big. This is what the game really needed to release like because I think that if it had released like this, I reckon it'd probably have more players now. And I, I'm not going to go on too much about Imperiums because you've heard me, you know, you've heard me ra- rail about it before. But it's such a great game. It's definitely one of the best historical forex games I've ever played, and it's one of the best forex games I've played. So go and check it out, anybody who's interested in that game. Yeah, I have to admit that my hats off to Pavel, the lead developer, who we've had on this podcast before. The fact that he's able to continue to support that game, I, I mean, I don't know how he's making. I, I'm assuming he's making enough money, but. I'm just really impressed with his his support of the game because it just seems like there's new DLC coming out pretty regularly. It sounds like there's another one because he said that he he's got like some hints of new new DLC coming. And you know, I, it just it's really cool to see that he's continued to take in player feedback like that and try to incorporate it the best he can. So, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. It looks really clear. Like I guess more distinct. There's something. It's just, it's hard to pin. It's hard to really like describe. But the map itself just looks more visually pleasing yeah the screenshot that i think it was either you or pavel been linked in the in our discord i can't remember which one it was but it looked pretty good i own imperiums and the alexander dlc i haven't actually played it yet i think you were saying it's pretty complicated isn't it i think the historical scenarios play more like grand strategy games or they play as much like grand strategy games as they do as 4x they're wonderful games though because Okay, so I'm talking about the most recent one now. So this is going to be Rome versus Carthage. But at least at the start of the game, you've really got to set up supply routes with your neighbors. So you need to get into the diplomacy very quickly and depending on who you're playing and then make, make sure that you're trading for the things that you need. Because if you don't, you're going you're gonna, to like, get attacked really quickly and uh, you need to kind of build up alliances. It's very much a grand strategy game when you play it as the historical side. And then almost like two for one, it's also got like a more traditional civilization style, you know, start with a settler, build your first city, and then, you know, explore, you know, a procedurally generated map as well. And so you're getting two games for the price of one, and they both play kind of differently. You can eventually get the 4X sort of procedurally generated game to be in the same situation as one of the historical scenarios. But the historical scenarios are very well balanced, I think. And so, you know, just like with a Paradox game, for example, you can challenge yourself by playing one of the smaller nations and trying to, you know, just seeing how far you can get. And he's taken some other ideas from the Paradox games as well. Uh, also from Field of Glory Empires, for example. I think now if your nation dies, you can continue playing as one of the other nations around you. So it enables you to continue the story of what's going on in the world, you know, just from a different perspective. That is a mechanic from Grand Strategy Games I really like. I think that's a really, really cool idea. It encourages you to play if you're losing. Do you see what I mean? Because Usually in a Forex game, when you're losing, you're just like, oh, I don't know, kind of losing. And unless you've got a score like in Civ, like in Civ, I will usually play till I die because I want to see what kind of score I can get. And then it's got some other hook in order to complete the game, right? And I think with modern games where they're starting to ditch score systems, which is a bad thing, I think. I really like scores, even though they're sort of like a bit anachronistic at this point. 
it gives you a, a way of carrying on and playing anyway. So yeah, I think Imperiums is a great game. I'm going to be playing it more. I just need to learn it better because I found out painfully when I was when I was doing my Let's Play that I really don't know it as well as I thought. So yeah, and Pavel's had to help me out a few times, kind of pointing out game mechanics or UI stuff that I missed because man, it's dense. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. I might pick it up and have a look at it sometime. It, it does look really interesting, just I haven't had a chance to look yet. Yeah, that's the same thing with Stellar Monarch 2, which is... For me, a game that I, I've been trying to get into and try to try, like basically, like I wanted to make videos of it. And the more I played it, the more I realized I didn't really know how the hell to play it. And so I, I, I invited Chris Cosmic, the developer, to join me on maybe like a screen sharing event where he'd show me how to play Stellar Monarch True. Because we really, we didn't really talk much about it, but it came out like a month ago. And it's definitely 4X-ish. It's got grand strategy elements, 4X elements, but it was a game that kind of went under the radar even here. And I did my best to learn it and I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. So I was hoping to bring on him and, and maybe hopefully get him to help me understand it as, as Pavel is trying to help you understand Imperiums. So I think that'd be a great thing. If you could, if you could ever like convince him to maybe join you for like a screen sharing event where he kind of walks you through some of it so that people could also see that. And, you know, it'd be, it'd be a really cool tutorial video, really. Yeah, that might be a nice series to do, you know, maybe start a Let's Play off like that and then just every now and again, because Pavel seems to be the kind of developer who's really keen to get people understanding what he's doing. Now, I know that there are going to be some alarm bells going off for certain people when they're like, well, you know, if you need the developer to show you how to play, maybe it's, maybe there's a problem. I don't think there is any problems with Imperium's Greek Wars other than the fact that if you go into it expecting it to play like Civilization, you are. It's so different, okay? It's a completely different game to Civ. It looks like it on the surface. It kind of looks like Civilization Four in the ancient era, but there all similarities end. Sure, you, you build cities and then you build improvements around them with workers and then you've got armies. After that, you know, there's not really a lot of similarity. The diplomacy is much more engaging it's got a real resource system which is required for you to build anything in it so if you if you chop down all the trees in your empire you've got to trade for them otherwise you can't build anything so this kind of resource-based economy actually means that diplomacy is meaningful it's by far got the best implementation of standard 4x mechanics that i've ever seen in a 4x game i'd say i think it's even better than distant worlds universe in that respect uh, it's the resource system in distant worlds 2 is one of the systems where people who are fans of Distant Worlds Universe are complaining that it's just, it's like, and I agree actually a little bit, I feel like in Distant Worlds 2, you've got all these resources, but they are so evenly distributed across the universe that it's kind of rare that you run out of one. But with uh, Imperiums, you, you do get, like on the, on the 4X side, you do kind of get an even distribution at the start, but then you will run out relatively quickly, so you need to go to war or trade for them. This is exactly how the real world worked. Anyway, I urge you guys to go and check it out and see what you think about it, because I think it's a wonderful game and it needs to be played more. Yeah, good points all around. Hey, Drexy, you got something for us? Yeah, just a quick one, really. Um, the latest dev blog for uh, Zephon, which is a game, of course, we're all excited for. It's just a short video of uh, defensive structures, but man, oh man. <laughs> At first I was thinking, uh, okay, okay, but... Once they started firing, like it had like the missile arcs, had the missiles track the target and stuff. And it just looks amazing. And the sand design in this game is really, really good. And alongside that, they've posted, I don't know if you know or not, I don't know whether they're just NPCs or these are leaders, but they have like a small background on four different 
NPCs in the game. And the 2D artwork in this game is absolutely amazing. I'm actually blown away how good this is looking. I'm just <laughs> I'm just sat here fanboying over these over these pictures. <laughs> I just wish this game was coming sooner. <laughs> So I don't know if you saw too that they put out a video where they showed the cities too, where they are horizontally expanding and they go on to tell you that the buildings that they are like putting down are A, they're all individual and unique to whichever faction that you're playing. And they also will look different based on like the direction you're taking your civilization too. So it's a lot like, you know, we've talked about this many times before, but it's a lot like almost like beyond earth in the, the difference in your path creates like a different look and art style and like architectural style of your your civilization so it looks fantastic i'm with you i think the more i see of it first of all the sound like they showed that combat where they were like basically had just like a a machine gun or whatnot firing off and it just sounded appropriately thuddy and weighty and it just sounded really good and then they keep showing these little like 10 15 second clips of gameplay and all i wanted i just want to know more i want to see it it looks amazing I'm one of those players who constantly goes on about how I don't really care about graphics and presentation in games, but I found that, if I'm being honest, looking back at it, my enjoyment of Warhammer 40k Gladius Relics of War was very much an overall thing. Like I liked the graphics, I liked the, the animations in the game, I liked the music. I just thought it was really well presented. The fact that they made unique unit graphics for all those different units Zephon is just taking it to the next level because like Rob says, the, the, the building style will sort of like evolve as you kind of go through the tech tree. I just think that they've made a really good job of this already. You can tell, you can just tell from looking at it that it's just really nicely presented. It's magnificently well done. This looks like it's, it's really got high production values. So I think Proxy are, if they can nail the gameplay, if they can take what they've taken from Warhammer 40k Gladius and turn it into a you know, more fleshed out 4X game like they were trying to do, I guess, with Pandora. I think this is going to be a winner. I think sand in 4X game, really. I can't really think of a, a 4X game that really blows me away with sand, but it's all part of the immersion, really. And yeah, these guys are just taking it to another level. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I just can't help but getting so hyped for this game. <laughs> yeah, they seem to have figured it out, right? Because like, they started off with, I guess, some game that I've never even heard of, and I can't tell you what it was. But then they went into Do Pandora, which was like a solid effort for a really relatively new studio. And it felt, you know, very much, I mean, I think they're just trying to achieve that beyond earth Alpha Centauri feel because they were definitely going after the Alpha Centauri game mechanic style and, and stuff like that with Pandora. And then they went on to do Warhammer 40k, which they did a good, with Gladys, they did a great job. I think the game being what it was and being basically a war only 4X game was fantastic and we've talked about it many times over and you know it was a great game and i think they finally have taken you know this like collected skill that they've accumulated over the last decade and are putting it to use here with a lot of funding it sounds like they're getting a lot of money from the eu and have have created this game that we're all looking forward to and i just hope it's you know it just anywhere as good as it's promising to be because if it is it might be my next obsession so we're looking forward to it for sure and there's some things I want to talk about too that are like completely outside of the like re- the new segment section. For me, I don't know if any of you guys have, have you, any of you guys been playing Victoria Three. I was gonna buy it, and then I saw what people were saying, but it noped out. <laughs> it seems like this is going to be the next Imperial Road. 
Well, people seem to have very varying opinions on it. Like some people are defending it very, very strongly saying, no, 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 don't listen to the YouTubers. It's actually a really great game. And then there are other people, including, you know, YouTubers who've been playing Victoria 2 very, very, you know, extensively are saying, no, nah, man, this one's a miss. So it seems to be very divisive and it's, it's difficult to really tell where the game's at. I don't know enough about it, Victoria. I've just installed Victoria 2. And if I can sit through playing Victoria 2 for maybe 20, 30 hours and I enjoy that, then I might consider getting it. But uh, I've, I like Crusader Kings 2. That's my favorite Paradox game, and I'm happy with that one at the moment. So I'm not really that bothered, to be honest. Well, for me, I actually got an early copy for it. And I, well, by early, I mean like a couple of weeks early. And I was playing it. I played a lot of it. And I couldn't wrap my head around it. I'm going I'm to be honest with you. I, like, I've tried, I've played Victoria 2 back in the day. And I think the thing was that when I got into Victoria 2, I was able to watch a lot of videos of people who understood Victoria 2 at a level that I could probably never understand myself. And I was able to get into it based on just that. And they provided some like you know, starter material or like things to help you get under, you know, get into it. And the tutorials themselves are are pretty detailed, but none of them really helped me really grab it, like really get into it and I mean, I didn't play it enough. I just couldn't. I, could, I couldn't force myself to play it enough. I just wasn't having fun. And I feel like I fall into that category of people that are not really enjoying it. And for whatever reason, I think some people are looking for like a, more, a much more detailed economic experience. And for me, I don't think that I really enjoy the economic experience. <laughs> I think that's just not my... Like, I don't know what it is about Victoria 2 that I enjoyed when I look back on it. But I'm kind of like Ben in that I really like the option of war in all of my games really. And Europa Universalis 4 does a really good job of making war feel like it was important to the game. And of course, Crusader Kings feels like it has, you know, it's, it's pretty centered around war in some ways. And for the most part, Victoria does not, like it almost discourages it because of how taxing it is on your economy and how much it basically ruins everything. So, and, and that makes sense, right? I mean, I guess that's kind of what you know, the, the reality of, of that kind of thing was back then, but or hell even now really, but I couldn't get into it. I tried, I really tried and I have like 15, 20 hours with it and I just, I put it down. I'm done with it. I can't, I just, I don't find it the fun in it. And as I think we've all said, and I'm pretty sure Ben said earlier in this podcast, you know, there's so many games and there's just so little time. If, if I don't like something, I'm not going to force myself to do it, you know, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to force myself to review a game that I'm not enjoying. So for me at this point, I, I'm i just going to say that, of course, people that know Victoria are going to know this. It's very driven by economics and the buying low and selling high and figuring out how to create an economy and an infrastructure that's going to allow you to become more powerful through your GDP and stuff like that. But that's just not really the kind of game I enjoy. And I maybe I'm just different you know, like I enjoy the Anno games a bit because I like the supply chains of those kind of things. And I feel like maybe there's a little bit more personality to a game like that. I, I mean, I, I I think there is for sure. But with the like the grand strategy nature of a game like this, I just wasn't able to really to really enjoy it. And I don't, I don't think it's for everybody. I certainly don't think it's for everybody. And I don't know why it's the most popular, you know, or at least from the outside, it looks like it was the most popular grand strategy game that, that Paradox had made. But I mean, I think the simplification of things that they've done with the game made it more approachable for me, but I just wasn't enjoying myself to the point where I've decided that it's just not something I'm ever going to talk about. 
ever again. <laughs> this is where I'm at. Well, from what I've heard, after you know, CK3 came out so good, but apparently even the tutorials have quite major bugs in them where it, it, to the point that you can't sort of proceed with the tutorial because it just locks you out or something. I can't remember exactly the bug, but yeah, there's soft locks. Yeah. So like yeah. if you don't if you don't do things in the order that you like if you accidentally do it before it tells you to do it, it soft locks you and it won't progress. So like if it tells you you need to build like two lumber yards in one of your provinces and you've already done that because that was like something you were doing, then it'll just you'll just never be able to progress. So oh, I'm getting flashbacks to that industries from Titan bug that that they had in that tutorial. It was seemed similar where you just waiting and waiting, like, why is the tutorial not progressing? And I was waiting for 40 minutes. And then all of a sudden, just like, oh, here it goes. Now it's just going to carry on. Like, ah, oh, it was the most infuriating thing I've ever, ever experienced as a gamer. <laughs> they need to fix that. Like, seriously, if you've got a problem in your tutorial paradox, fix it now, because you're going to get so many negative reviews because of that. And what are you doing? Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a I mean it's certainly a combination of many things at this point where it's not only that I mean there's definitely some issues with some bugs and things that just aren't really progressing well but people are saying that it's just so easy to exploit it shouldn't be so easy to take like Cuba and make them a world power but you can and you know that's there's some fun in that right some fun in the alternate history kind of stuff that you do with those games but when it's as easy as it has been for a lot of these players they're just really frustrated and you know again i tried i don't think victoria is ever going to be a game that i'm going to come back around to and be like oh i finally found the fun in it i'm i'm just not going to and that's unfortunate because i know that the paradox provided us a key which i think is cool you know troy goodman the pr guy for paradox he's a very nice man and you know he went out of his way to provide us a key and for that i'm very very grateful but it's just not something that i think i'm going to dedicate enough time to to ever be able to provide a an accurate review and i don't think they would really want my my review to be honest because it wouldn't be very positive yeah i mean like that's so disappointing to hear about like what you're saying about cuba because take terry and victor for example people actually like play like they they start in africa for example for a challenge and it really is a challenge and you know if you can just all the history is fine but it's got to be something that sort of challenges the more advanced players to do but if, at this point if someone's already figured out how to make cuba a world power then there's deep flaws in that game obviously one of the things that i thought that was great about crusader kings in eu4 was that you were able to pick a you know a very weak power like or set the game up so that it was difficult without having to play too much with difficulty settings that gives the ai artificial bonuses I love games like that. I think Warhammer's Total War Warhammer's really good for that because you know there are certain factions that you play that are very very difficult, even if you play them on hard or you know, yeah. Like like Drexy says, I completely agree. If, if people are starting to kind of win on the very, even with very very weak nations, very very early on, it probably means that there's not that much depth to it yet. Either that, or just the min maxes have got in there very fast and figured it all out. Either way, that that doesn't sound like it's good for the game's longevity. This is a game that I would like to try, I think. And I'm interested to hear Drexy's opinion when he's played it, if he does get around to playing it with his mates, because I understand why this might not be Rob's kind of game. I I would like to get into this, but my problem is that, I don't know, like I, I watched uh, I watched Archer's video on it and he was picking out some problems and he was saying, look, here's where Victoria 2 was a much better game. And one of them particularly was the war system. And he just said that the war was really, really bad in this game. It's just 
it's not very well implemented and the system that they've actually it feels like they've just basically put a placeholder in there so that they can bring in a dlc for later and i think if that's what they're doing that's really annoying so i hope that's not the case but then I've, i also watched some other people who you know victoria streamers or sorry victoria players who were playing it and saying basically the warfare is like risk but worse because it's like a, a an ai playing risk against itself badly that's what some one guy described it as and i I just felt that that was a real missed opportunity because, yeah, that era was defined by industrialization, but there was a hell of a lot, hell of a lot of warfare going on. And I'm going to echo what I said before about this, that unfortunately, a lot of these developers, particularly in Europe, are taking money from the EU at the moment. And in order to do that, they have to tick boxes, okay? And there's lots and lots of boxes that they have to tick that are kind of political in nature, let's say. And I think a game like Victoria, which was very, very, very much set in an era with certain political and historically defined sorry historical defining political situations going on that are exceptionally touchy by today's standards and you can't address them directly so i don't really trust any game that's set in that era to be honest particularly with all the colonization and you know let's not be about bush or the slavery stuff that wasn't very pretty how are you going to approach that in an honest way in a situation where you've got most of your funding coming from an organization that really pays you to change history, let's say? I think that's really concerning. Well, thankfully, they didn't. I mean, they haven't done anything to really whitewash any of that. I mean, it's still all there. I just think that it's probably not as, like, you know, instrumental or, you know, like the whole thing, really. I mean, you're right. Like it, 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 those, those are touchy subjects for sure, but like those are part of history, right? And so, and the day, you know, the, there weren't any major nations that were getting away without some form of slavery and it being, you know, indentured servitude or, you know, outright slavery. And if they were to have glossed over that or not had that part of that game, then it would have been, you know, a tragedy really, because it's just, you know, it's not fair or not a good idea to reimagine history because it doesn't it doesn't feel right but they did do a decent job of making that you know at least somewhat weighty in the way it should right like you you have options to do that there are civics that you can take that will allow you to to basically produce slaves especially if you take on the united states as your your nation so uh, the whole thing right i'm just saying for me wanted to like it i did not like it I will never play it again. To Drexy's point, Terra Invicta still feels like the better grand strategy game, even though it's not made by a million people like Paradox Games are. And there have been quite a few, like you know, things that I've read through you know the community and through some of the, like the the major strategy gaming community, including people that are on three moves ahead. They have said that they still think Terra Invicta is the better game, and you know that's insane to me because that team is like a one hundredth of the size of Paradox. So. Yeah, Terra Invicta seems to be getting received a lot better. I haven't really, I haven't played any of the Victoria games and I haven't really been interested in Victoria 3 as well. I think nowadays I just don't really get on with Paradox games in general. They just seem too, too weighty. Like I, I sort of need something I can pick up and dive into and Paradox games are just not it. I'd rather go and play Anno 1800, I think, if I wanted something in the Victorian era. And from what Ben was saying about like the attempt to rewrite history, it's like Britain didn't get to rule the world for hundreds of years by being nice. And I have read certain things about, without going into detail, I have I have seen statements from players saying that there were things that, bad things from back in history that were suddenly ended way earlier than they should have been and things that were changed around a bit. I don't know if that's by accident or not, but like they are still there, but they just seem altered. 
So I'm, I don't know if they're going to fix that up or if that's intentional. To Sean's point about Paradox Games, I have a confession to make. And that is that in the last two weeks, I've played 29 hours of stores. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you. I did sort of see you on Steam and message you. What are you doing? <laughs> what you have you done with, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. I really cannot. I think I finally found it. Like, I found the fun. And I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it's this new Orion update. I don't know. I cannot tell you. But it's there. And I have been really trying to get back to it. Like, every chance I get. Like every time I have a couple minutes of downtime, I jump on Solaris. And I realized too that there's a lot more depth to it than I expected, that I, that I really actually understood, I think is probably the best way to say it. Because as I'm trying to get better at it, and I realized that there's like all these edicts and all these like different ways you can build up your planets and really all these different things you can do in, in general, like just, just really get ahead in that game. I, I just really have been started to like it. Uh, I've played three games, two of which I lost pretty early. And by lost, I mean like I was clearly well behind everyone and I realized that I was not going to get anywhere to the point where I could be like a, a, content- a contender there. So I just kind of gave up on it. I'm started, I started another game and I'm really, I've learned everything from the previous games and I've also been watching videos and I'm, I'm enjoying Stellaris. Uh, there it is. What are you Today's- enjoying about it, Rob? I mean, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know what it's different. I don't really, I really don't know. I have no idea what to tell you is different about the game. I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that I've realized that it's very much like Terra and Victor in reverse and that it's like a 4X game at the beginning and then it becomes a grand strategy game in the end. And I do like the, the vast variety of, of aliens you'll meet and everything about it. I guess it's just finally come together in a way that works for me. So, and I can't tell you what it is that's like really drawing me in. It's just there's there's cool mechanics. I really like the idea that when you make first contact with aliens, you have to like decipher their language and you have to sign an envoy in order to figure them out. Yeah, I just feel like all that stuff is, it's just really come together in a point I've really enjoyed it. And then the combat too just feels... I don't. I guess it's it feels a little bit more tactical. I, can, I, 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 can I ask quickly? Are you playing the uh, beta? That's yeah, the Orion beta. Okay. Yeah, but I can't tell you what about that beta that's made me made it fun for me. I really just don't know what to tell you. I don't. I mean, like I've gone back. I've played this game many times. Every time an expansion comes out, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm enjoying myself, and then I drop it. And this is the first time where I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait to play it again, and I will fire it up again because before it'd be like, yeah, I'll fire it up a few times. I'll try out this new expansion, and then I'm done. But now I've, I've, like I said, I've put almost 30 hours in the past two weeks. And it's because literally, that I mean, that's all my free time. That is all of my free time. Every time I get to it, I'm like, oh, I've got to fire it up and see what I can do. And I just started that new game and now I'm excited to get back to it. Like I'm, I'm genuinely wondering when the next time I can get back to it is. And it's just the intrigue with, with regards to meeting your other races, like the new espionage system, just how deep and detailed it is now. And yeah, the, the changes to combat, there's some new you know, ethics and stuff that you can take. There's new ascension paths. There's like all these new things. There's such a, a huge variety of new things that I'll say this. And, I'll, and I, I don't think that you can argue with this, but the custodian program for Solaris is probably one of the smartest things that Paradox has ever done. And it quite frankly is one of the coolest things I've seen a strategy game get ever, because if it weren't for the custodian program, I'm not sure I'd ever like this game. 
and the fact that they continue to work on things that have already been out for some time, you know, they, they continue to go back and make the species packs for Solaris, the ones that they've released even, you know, two, three years ago, more relevant and more asymmetric, I think is superb. And everything else is just really great. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. That's all I can say. I don't have, I, I can't tell you why. I actually installed it about three weeks ago, but I've not been able to bring myself to actually play it, but maybe I should, maybe I should. What's, I can't remember what the bloody custodian system is. What's that? Well, they're basically running Solaris development in parallel with, with two different groups, right? They've got the custodian program. Oh, which yeah, is, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're, they're continuing to work on the base game and then work on things that have already been released, like all the species packs, all the expansions. They're going back and still making balancing passes, still adding content and stuff like that to those. Whereas then you have the other development group that's working on making new content for the game. I'm the same as Drexy. I've installed the game. And it was basically because Jesse from Explominate was talking about it. And he's been playing it very, very thoroughly. He's a player who's, he kind of says how he's a bit sick of Forex and he's more into the tactics side of things. So when he does like a 4X game, my ears prick up because I think he's quite hard to please as a gamer. And he said that he thinks Stellaris is amazing now. He really, really likes it. So that, you know, added to what you said is perhaps going to convince me to finally play it again. Because I think like all of us, I kind of got a bit fatigued with Stellaris because every time a new update came out, I played it and it just wasn't really where I wanted it to be. But it sounds like finally they're starting to pull it all together. So... I think with the incoming changes to the warfare system, which is what I've been waiting for, if they can make warfare better, then I think that might finally bring me back to Stellaris because I want to like that game. I've got to tell you, I've kind of like taken a big dump on it at times. And a lot of that's like a comedy thing now at Explominate. But honestly, I think the game has got so much potential and there's a lot, of, there's a lot to like in there. So much wonderful fluff stuff that you can do. It's a role-playing extravaganza and it's not just about conquest uh, competitive pressure-based forex gaming it's not really like that i think if it had a little bit more of that i'd like it more but now i've sort of understood how to approach stellaris i think i could probably have a lot more fun with it now and that's perhaps that's just me that's changed a little bit as a gamer too yeah that's what i kind of asked myself is it me that's changed or is it the game that's changed or is it both but i really just don't give a shit why i like it i have just really it's lashed onto me and i'm i'm really excited to keep playing and like I'm playing a very basic human empire now because I started off trying like some cool alien shit and I realized that I just didn't understand the base mechanics enough anymore to really do that. So I started back off with like the Imperium of Man or whatever it is, not the Imperium of Man, like the Federation of Earth, whatever it is. And I'm just, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. The new changes to combat do feel they're a huge step in the right direction. I mean, I'm still using Corvettes in my fleets because they're so much faster and they do things that, you know, it, it just feels like all the holes matter now. And I'm finally getting into like using mega structures, which I've never done. I've never gotten to that point in this game. And when you start to see these mega structures like actually being used and stuff, I was, uh, I, I'm just really, I'm, I'm having fun. So I can't tell you what it is, but I think, Definitely, if you have been on the fence like I have been for so long, you should probably fire up Solaris again. And if it's just me, let me know. <laughs> I'd like to know that. I think you've answered the question really well, Rob. It doesn't really matter why you're enjoying it. The fact that you're enjoying it to the point where you're actually mentioning it on a podcast, particularly after we've all been a bit fatigued with Solaris and kind of, you know, to the point of making memes about it. <laughs> it's That's a positive thing. So 
here's the Solaris and let's hope that, you know, it's going in the direction that we want it all to go in. And yeah, I'm, you've, you've encouraged me now to go and check it out and play it. Yeah, I'm definitely going. And if it's bad, I'll, I'll oh, you just wait. <laughs> what's it like multiplayer directly because i know you've played it multiplayer quite a lot and i and i think jesse has as well i'd really like to know what I that's actually like. missed the multiplayer game the other day some of my friends in another channel were playing it i should have joined in but uh, i enjoy it actually it's it's just fun to chill with your friends and stuff like i said the friend i play with he really he really hates war and he really enjoys just building stuff whilst i'm like crazy going to war all the time and he's like <laughs> <laughs> so he i'm at a point where he doesn't even um he won't make an alliance with me because <laughs> he doesn't want to deal with that stuff but he doesn't yeah, want to be really pulled enjoyable. into a battle <laughs> yeah especially when you play in a big group and you start backstabbing each other <laughs> that just sounds fun yeah i've played some of it with my brother actually we, we'd never get further than a few hours but it's, it was like every every second expansion roughly we'd go oh, you know it's been a while let's jump in and play that and we play a few hours and then dip out but it's, it's usually pretty good to start with we just because it takes so long to get the game finished we just leave it and don't come back but i am pretty keen to jump in and try it again actually i haven't played for a long time i think the last time i played it mega corporations had come out and yeah it must have been megacorp and i was sort of like scratching my head trying to get my trying to get my noggin around this whole new pop system and I like that stuff, by the way. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like micromanagement. Like, I really like managing, like, my, like kind of doing micro with trying to get, like, you know, squeezing the most out of your economy and things. So, I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, let's try it and see how it works. Yeah, the, the one that bugged me was federations. I just, uh, it was just another thing to worry about. I'd like to see how that's changed as well, because I really did not enjoy that one when it came out. Yeah, I didn't play that one. I think I bought it. I dutifully bought it. You know, I don't know if that's just sort of paradox mind control kicking in or what now. <laughs> I think I've just always hoped that Solaris is going to get to the place that I want. It's funny though, my little brother, who doesn't really play Forex games very often, he's more into Total War, but he played, he went back and played Solaris around the time of Federation, I think. And he was saying, I don't get why you don't play this game. It's really good. So, and my brother likes good games. I, you know, I trust his judgment when it comes to video games. So, yeah. I'll have to check it out. All right. Well, I will certainly report as to whether or not it continues, but I have a feeling it will because, like I said, it's finally it's finally grabbed me. But, hey, let's wrap this thing up by talking about the games we're playing. Sean, what are you playing, buddy? Uh, I've been play still, still playing MechWarrior 5. <laughs> I've been pretty addicted to that. It's really, really fun. It's not really relevant, though. So I've also been playing Disciples Liberation. I got it in a Humble Bundle thing that I forgot to cancel. And I was like, you know what, I'll give yeah, this a go. I got that as well. How is that? Because, yeah, I was thinking about installing it. Have, have they finally made a good game out of that series? Because they keep releasing them. <laughs> I've, I've never played a Disciples game before, so I have no idea if it's a good Disciples game or not. So I'm going into it completely fresh, like just blind. And I, I know it didn't launch very well, and the view, reviews are still stuck at mixed, but I've come, and I, I think a lot of it maybe is because people are expecting it to be a Disciples game. And then when I look at it, they say it's not. It's like a Heroes of Might and Magic or a King's Bounty kind of thing instead of a Disciples game. So maybe it's just not what they wanted. But me going in having no idea what I'm getting into, I'm actually quite enjoying it. Like it, it does get, I think it's going to get repetitive at some point. Like the the combat, there's often something a little different to it, but a lot of it starts the same. Like I have a rogue, I send him invisible, he sneaks around the map and then I get into it with the front line and the back line. And like it, it's starting to get kind of formulaic. Like I, I think I need to try and change it up somehow. So I can see it sort of getting a bit bogged down, but at the moment I'm quite enjoying it and I've been playing, I think it's only like six or seven hours. 
But at the moment, it's quite cool. So I'll, I'll keep playing and report back. What about you, Ben? Uh, like Sean, I've been playing lots of MechWarrior 5 Mercenaries. I really like that game. I've got a love for all things Battletech at the moment, including, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I've been painting some miniatures and, you know, kind of playing Mega Mech as well, the tabletop version. So yeah, me and Sean are the MechWarrior gang. Uh, with, with a few mods, that game's really, really good. It's really good fun. But more relevantly, I've been playing, I've finally gone back to play Fall From Heaven 2, which was Derek Paxton's fantasy mod for Civilization 4. And not only has it got me back into, well, has it got me into a new game? Because I tell you, man, Fall From Heaven 2 is a great game. I totally see now why the community rave about it as being one of the best fantasy games ever made. But it's also got me back into Civ 4 because I've had to go back and play Civ 4 a little bit to kind of remind myself of the base mechanics. Fall From Heaven 2 is quite difficult, I'd say. I think the difficulty level is higher again than Civ 4. And there's a lot more to learn because it's got all the magic system. All the, the factions are quite asymmetric. Rob, I wanted to ask you, have you played Fall From Heaven 2 for a while? And if so, I'm interested to know what your opinions are on it, just quickly, because I'm loving it, man. It's completely... I've played like 40 hours of Civ 4 this week when I've not been at work, <laughs> which is part, part of the reason why I've not slept very much. Yeah, actually, I got into it way back when, when it first came out. I, I found Fall From Heaven 1 first, and then I don't remember why, but I wasn't able to really play much of it. And then Fall From Heaven 2, when it came out, I played probably, I don't know, 40 hours, 50, 100 hours, I don't know, a lot. And I I never really made it so far because it is very difficult, like you said. And I also, I just kept trying new factions because there's so many of them and they all have like unique, you know, kind of focuses and stuff. And I I really enjoyed myself. I think it's one of the best mods of all time. And I think that's why Derek Paxton is as well known as he is. Yeah, it's, it is really, really good. And being able to come at it without nostalgia goggles on, and just examine it like i've only had time to play one faction i've i've played two the one that is in the tutorial that they recommend you play the grigori and then i'm i'm now playing with banor which is sort of another sort of vanilla sort of faction but they've but yeah apparently they're all really different and i've been advised just to stick with one to learn the game so i'm going at this kind of long haul now i really want to kind of get my teeth into this game and just find out exactly what it is that's good but it is a civ game without a doubt you know it's very much a civilization game but it's, it's just kind of bending the Civ 4 formula in a really interesting way. I'm very, very impressed with it so far. So I think this is something that I would like to play as a, as a let's play on Explorminate. The only thing that's holding me back from doing it immediately is I play on Warrior. <laughs> and I think even at my height of being a Civ 4 player, I only ever played on Prince. I've never been like a Civ, you know, min-maxer. I never really played Civ quite enough to get really good at it. And I just know that if I go on Explorminate and I, and I play this game on Prince or something, I'm going to be getting people go, well, actually, you're making mistakes here. Here's how you're supposed to set up your, your initials. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get people who are so much better than me kind of just kind of doing the actually thing. And I just, I kind of want to get good at it. <laughs> I want to get good at it first because I need to, I need to head off all those people because Civ's got such a big player pool, hasn't it? And there are so many people who are really good and just play on Deity all the time and they're just going to make me look completely impotent. <laughs> Yeah, good luck. I really want to see that episode or that series actually. So train up or whatever you got to do. And Drexy, are you still playing Overwatch 2 or what? I think I'm done with Overwatch 2. <laughs> Have I been playing 4X games? Hmm. I tried to play some Songs of Conquest. Uh, I enjoyed the hour I played of that <laughs> and the hour of Warhammer 3. And I played, managed to play five hours of Shadow Empires and I still don't know what. And I really want to get back to Terry and Victor, but I keep, see, my problem is I get distracted, right? For some reason, 
I got a copy of uh, Need for Speed Underground too, and was really enjoying it. And then I noticed Need for Speed Heat was on sale, so I bought that. And yeah, that's what I'm playing at the moment. It's funny, you know, because when we did that interview with uh, Hooded Horse, Jaxie, I thought you asked some of the best questions, and you're you're clearly like you know your shit when it comes to forex gaming, and yet of everybody on the on the uh, podcast you like playing the most normy games out of all of us <laughs> like hey man, i'm on an extended vacation that? from forex games all right just leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> i think you've got to though haven't you i think if you just play these games solid you end up like rob just completely jaded <laughs> that's true <laughs> very true oh man guilty as charged for sure all right. Well, great. Hey, this has been a great discussion. Again, I think this format works really well. So we're interested to hear your feedback from, you know, from the, the fans. We got some good feedback last time and we tried to incorporate that and hopefully it worked. You know, adding the news elements. There's still more news, right? There's a bunch of stuff we could have talked about, like the fact that Civilization Six just kind of like, I mean, like there was a, a leak about this new leaders DLC or leaders pack or whatever they're about to send out. But you know, there's a bunch of stuff that we could have added there, but we will just point you to the Reddit, which is reddit.com backslash r backslash exnn, where there's two of us that kind of scour the internet for Forex and strategy game related news, and we post it there. So if you really want just to kind of like keep your finger on the pulse when it comes to that kind of news, head on over there because the podcast will be more of like a discussion about some of the bigger news items or some of the news items that matter most to us you know, personally, and then the rest of it is just going to be like free form like we've been doing. So let us know what you think. I'll quickly just add, I'm looking forward to Dwarf Fortress coming in for, and also Tactics Oh, yeah, well Ogre. said. Tactics yeah. Ogre as well. I'm, I'm considering buying, but I'm just waiting to see how Buck is. <laughs> I have it, and I haven't played the original, so I'll jump in if there's a new player and I'll let you know. Hey, cool. Yeah, I want to play both of those. I want to see it, record it. I was a massive Dwarf Fortress fan and I played in ASCII as well. Like I deciphered the Matrix. <laughs> so I wasn't that bothered when he when Tarn Adams said he was going to do a Steam version, particularly when I found out that it was going to take him three years or whatever it was. And I just kind of like, look, just go back to base level Dwarf Fortress so you can make some new content because it was getting really damn good and now you're not making it. <laughs> but actually looking at the graphics in Dwarf Fortress Steam version, it, it is looking good. If they can get the UI to a point where like people who aren't in the Matrix and Deciphered ASCII can figure it out, then that's a good thing for them to do. Yeah, no, I'm excited for that too. I've never played it, so I'm excited. All right, guys. Well, this has been a lot of fun yet again. And... Like I said, I just want to hear some feedback from anybody out there who's listened and can try to like compare and contrast our past few podcast formats. So yeah, until then, thanks for being here, Sean. No worries, man. Always a good time. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. I'm glad you're feeling better. And Ben, thanks for joining us, buddy. Anytime, Rob. Thanks for having me. And Drexley, even with your Overwatch and now Need for Speed, like, I don't know why I get invited on this podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're the comedic relief. Yeah. Well, like Ben said, until you, I, I was kind of questioning that too. And then you busted out some great questions with Tim the other day. So uh, you have a place here, Drexy. You always have a place. But until next time, this is Rob, Ben, Drexy, and Sean for Explominates. Keep exploring. <laughs>